Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. Thank you. Oh, my. You can grab a seat. Come on. That's all good. Thank you so much. Wow. He did say that. He was over there. He wrapped his arm. He said, I'm sitting beside one of my heroes. It was so... <laughs> he said on the phone, he said that too. He said, now, I know you don't like to hear this, but <laughs> we understand it's Jesus in us. But you know what? You do have to yield to him. You have to give yourself to him. You have to be with him. Amen? So that's what you can thank people for. I was, I was uh, in a service a long time ago, and a fellow came up and said, I want to thank you for two things. And I said, okay. It was a long time ago. And he said, I want to thank you for spending time in the word. You obviously have spent plenty of time with God in his word because it just pours out of your heart. Who knows that he can thank me for that, and I can say you're welcome. And, and that's not taking glory from the Lord. The second thing, I said, so what's the second thing? He said, your smile. I said, I have nothing to do with that. I said, I can't, I can't take credit for that. I didn't used to smile like this. So he's got to get the glory for that one. Amen? Amen. There's a couple things on my heart. Uh, you made that comment about not disappointing your father. Let me just, uh, just so nobody's wondering. You know, I know parents train their children sometimes. They say, oh, you just so upset the Lord, or you, and they think it's a fear tactic. They think they're going to, it's like a reverse psychology. Like, you just so upset the Lord or made him angrier. You can read the Old Testament all you want and come up with language and scriptures. You got to understand you're in a new covenant through his blood. God has shown his heart towards man through his son. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son. For God so it didn't say for God was so frustrated, exasperated, and at wit's end with humanity, he finally sent his son to deal with it. He said he loved you. The reason that I preach that you can't disappoint your father is because God is love. And love doesn't seek its own. The only reason you've been disappointed and I've been disappointed in my life is because life's been more about me than anything else. Love doesn't seek its own. So if you're not about yourself, how can you be disappointed? It's just so good. It makes people look cockeyed sometimes because we've spent so much time being disappointed. But that's just exposed the lie. We were trained up in a way that we weren't created to live. We were raised in a lie. We were all raised in a lie. We were all born into Adam and we must be born again. You were trained by a wisdom that's not the Lord. Every man for himself. Your emotions, your attitudes, your responses. Watch this. Your motives. From the beginning, as little up as you can remember, weren't healthy and pure. You were, you were just a people button away from falling apart, being angry, being hurt, being disappointed. Come on. Every one of us knows exactly what I'm talking about, and none of those things have ever produced life. All they've ever done is give us a right to be the way we are and not more like him. <laughs> look, when you look at the fruit that something's producing, you can tell if there's truth behind it, if God's behind it. You look at the fruit of what your attitude's producing and you'll know if you're in the Lord or not. It's not about debating for three days or getting two people to agree with you. Look at what it's producing and you'll know where it's from. And if your response, reaction, attitude isn't producing life, 
isn't forgiving, isn't showing mercy, isn't making peace, isn't bringing the best out in others, isn't laying down its life, then you're probably not following Jesus. You're just right. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Come on, being right doesn't make it right. So why do you need to be right if it's not producing him? What's the matter if you're right? Because if you're, if you're busy being right, then somebody's wrong. And if God came right, we're all wrong. But he came in righteousness. He came with a higher plan. He made wrong things right. He took people that were making mistakes their whole life, born into lies, and caused them to stand before him, holy, blameless, and above reproach, and in that place called love, empowered them to do what they were created to do. Come on, that's good news. You didn't have to stand before God and go through the list of all the bad things you did. He, he wants his love to move on your heart to a place where you're sincerely sorry about your life lived apart from him. And if you could change it, you would, but you can't because you can't go back there and buy time. So you say in your heart, man, if I saw now, then what I see now, I'd have done different then. I know I would. Anybody ever been there? You say, man, if I saw what I see now, I wouldn't have did what I did then. That means you're not the person that did it. You've changed. And it's a gift. It's called repentance. He, he brings you to that place. And it's the goodness of God that leads you to change. And all of a sudden, you're living to be right for, you know, and you're like, well, he said, well, she shouldn't have. Well, how come they? Come on, that's a rat race. Nobody wins in that place. That's not heaven on the earth. That's just the earth. But be honest, we were all trained in it. We were all raised in it. It was a thing that came natural. I use the phrase homeschooled in the wrong home just because people get that. <laughs> people get that. You're homeschooled in the wrong home. You're brought up in a lie. You were born into Adam, and you must be born. So don't let born again be some spiritual day where you said yes, and he came in your heart and wrote your name in a book called Life, and when the trumpet blows and he comes, you're on the list. Let's go past that. Let's get a little deeper than that. Born again. Born again. That means whatever was died, and what he created to be lives. You're born again. You do it over again. You're reborn. Man. So I just want to talk about a couple things. But that disappoint thing, that it, it, it's something I've preached for years because I saw it in my bedroom one day and the Lord proved it to me through his word because he's love. He told me, Dan, you can't hurt me. If you lived in a place to hurt me, I would hurt for you. If you were living in a way that you think would hurt God, right? He's not hurt, hurt by you. He's hurting for you because you're not living what you're created to live. Do you get it? This is love. It doesn't seek its own. It takes no account of the wrong done to it. How is it possible for love to take no account of the wrong done to it when we can't forget the wrong done? Come on, come on, some of us have that story so nailed down, we've told it so many times and it's still right there like it just happened. Ah! Oh! Gotta die to that. 
Look, how can God be this way? Because he's love. He's not. He's not. He so loved the world. The farther you lived away from him, the more grace came to draw you into the reality of what you're created for. Where sin abounded, grace abounded more. Much more. Come on, this is scripture. That's Romans 6. That's powerful. Where sin abounded. Grace came greater. Well, it doesn't sound like he's offended to me. doesn't sound like he's sitting there going, I can't believe nobody loves me. I go out of my way, send my son, raise him from the dead, write that book called the Word of God, and they're still fighting if it even is my word. I don't know. God would have a lot of beef and issue with us if he was like what we were grown up to be. He would have a long case, man. He heals people. Jesus heals people in, in the Gospels, and they're trying to figure out what demons possessing him. Isn't it amazing? People have never changed who God is. Why? He's love. That's why he's still changing who people are. Because people can't change him. He's a rock. Isn't that awesome? Man has never been able to change who God is. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I just love it. When you get these simple things, I'm going to be real simple with you. And I see just something like that that Pastor Kurt kicked off on. We got to understand that and go, because I knew, I worked with a young man one day and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge and changed him in the aisle. He was doing things to hurt, get back to his, even with his mother because his mother had raised him the whole, his whole life. Well, God saw that. Well, you just broke the heart of God. Well, you just made God angry. Well, you just crushed God again. You're just living for the devil. The devil's really happy with you now. You just hurt God's heart again. That was the theology he grew up with. And none of that's God. God's like way bigger than that. Do you think like how the Lord is doing is hinged on your choices today? <laughs> Just because we've lived that way. <laughs> Come on, many of us were reduced to only doing as good as things were gone and people were treating us. A lot of good-hearted Christian people still live that way. They let how it's going decide how they're doing instead of who he is and who he is in them. They're still praying for a better day instead of a new one. Still letting circumstances decide instead of truth. You with me? Come on, this is what faith's all about. You got to believe this stuff. You got to go, you know what? Wow, there's life in this. Wow. No matter who says what, who does what, I'm not hoping for the worst. I want the best to work out and circumstantially. I'm not looking for adversity and trials and I'm not hoping my spouse goes off the deep end and my kids run crazy, but you know what? Nothing can change truth. So if nothing can change truth, I'll let truth change me so nothing changes me. Wow, I ought to let this thing matter the most instead of everything else matter more. This sounds like the gospel. wonder if faith does that in the heart. Wonder if faith wakes up in the morning and settles that, you know what? I'm on the earth for one reason to shine, to be more like Him, to love. 
And I'm not going to let anything else decide who I am or how I am if he's the Lord. Look up Lord to govern, supreme being, ruling factor. The governing factor, supremacy, the Lord. We all sing he's Lord, but we let other things decide who we are and how we're doing. And then we spiritualize it and turn it into prayer lists and prayer needs. But usually those prayers are coming from a desperate place, a frustrated place, a survival place. Rarely are those prayers coming from faith because those things are dictating how we're doing. You follow? Come on, this is just simple, basic stuff. But it's powerful and it's transforming if we'll believe it. Wonder if you let the gospel just teach you these simple things. Wonder if this is why we gather on a Saturday night. I'm glad you're all here. I'm glad it worked out and that I could just come and say hey. And wonder if in all you're getting, getting understanding is really that real and a big deal. Wonder if, if getting my mind renewed and not being conformed to the way it's always been, but being transformed by, by, by the renewing. Look it up. By the renewing of your mind, it means thinking like you've never thought before. Where am I going to get that kind of thinking? Thinking like I never thought before. i got to look to him, look to the light, look to the truth, look to the new and living way. The way, the truth, and the life. Look, if he's new wine, if God poured out his son and there's new wine on the earth, I have to become a new wine skin. I'm not, just, I'm not just asking him to come into my heart. I'm not just praying a prayer and saying I believe on him and I'm qualified for heaven. That's not our goal. Our goal is transformation. His goal is transformation. His goal is you thinking like he thinks and being motivated by love and being moved by the Spirit. Yeah? Come on, that shore beach just riding high and praise God and then getting mowed down by life and keep me in prayer, brother, and... <laughs> Come on, anybody that's gone to church any length of time knows exactly what I'm saying. It's like we get reduced to survival mode and we're trying to make it. Like the gospel's here to help us get through. What is that? <laughs> the gospel's here to give you something new. A new motive, a new reason for being, a new why behind your life. Isn't that some wonder if the gospel taught you that no matter how it was going, no matter what people were doing, no matter what decisions people were making, you were set in truth and you weren't going to change because he doesn't change and you're alive for one reason, period. wonder if you actually let the gospel teach you this stuff that nobody owes you anything. And then nobody can break your heart because it's not for sale. You've been bought with a price. Your heart's his and he's in you and his love is amazing. So you don't take account of a suffered wrong. Why? Because it just reveals people don't see the truth. So that should, you should hurt for them, not hurt because of them. And all of a sudden there's this freedom in believing the truth. And you see it and it makes you free. Yay. Come on, that sure beats being bummed out and you said and I can't believe he and well, why did she? Well, they should have never. And all of a sudden you're letting everyone else dictate your life. I'm not going to live that way. I'm asking you to come along with me. Because I've never seen that former way 
produce good things. It just gives people reasons for not being like him. And makes people Lord instead of the Lord. Well, I wouldn't be in this place if it wasn't for this and this. Well, this and this isn't Lord. Why is it dominating your life? See, I don't want one person or one thing or one word to dictate my life if his name isn't Jesus. Well, brother, you don't know what I've been through. That's a common line in the family of God. Well, brother, you don't know what it's been like. You don't know what I've been through. Well, you need to be more sensitive. That's not a good line of thought for your freedom to come. You actually learn to feel sorry for yourself and you'll justify being less than who he is in your life. Look, I realize people do some very bad things and make some very bad decisions. And I realize there's an initial uh, to a lot of that a lot of times. But it's not about failing, it's about becoming. So even if it, uh, in the beginning, don't tell me that we can't say, wait a minute, I'm not gonna let this one thing dictate today and the rest of my days. Jesus is way greater than this. He went through way more than this, man. He was despised and rejected by men and he did nothing but perfectly good constantly. Who was ever more perfectly good than Jesus? And yet he's despised and rejected by men. They're screaming Barabbas. He raises a man from the dead. Barabbas kills a man. They're saying, let Barabbas go and kill Jesus. Come on, if Jesus was analytical, he's in trouble. If Jesus was rational, carrying the cross, man, I've done nothing but good, Father. I know the scripture said I should, you know, this is all going to happen to me, and, but this is a little extreme. I didn't know it was going to be quite like this. I mean, I looked at some of them people. Their family members got healed. When I was over there, I seen them healed, and I know them people were with them, and they're screaming Barabbas like they didn't even see the healing. I, and then Barabbas, he killed a man. I raised the dead. He calls this conspiracy. I'm trying to make peace between you and men. And they want to kill me and let him go. I don't know. I don't think I want to die for these people. I'm not feeling the love right now. People say, well, he couldn't do that because he's the Lord. He couldn't do that because he's love. Don't miss the point. You're going to miss the point. You say, well, he wouldn't do that. He's Jesus. He's, don't make him a special man. He is a special man. But when you say because he's Jesus, you miss the whole point. What makes him a special man is he's love. And we've never seen love apart from him. We've never seen people take no account until Jesus comes into our life. We've never seen anybody take no account of a suffered wrong. He said, follow me. He said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. So you got a question as a Christian, what do I believe? The facts in my life, the things people have done, the actions, the words, the statements, the hidden messages. Do I believe the truth of my created value, my purpose, my destiny? So what do I believe? Christ in me, hope of glory. Or do I just believe the feelings and the words and the whispers and the insecurities and the comparisons? Or do I believe him? 
This is what faith is all about. This is what living by faith is all about. Living by faith. Sometimes we think faith is just a tool in your belt to get things to happen, like the abracadabra wish wand or something. Look, a piece of faith is prayers getting answered. The larger part of faith is a perspective you live by and an eye that you won't let change. Man. Wouldn't it be amazing? We didn't grow up with this experience, but God's always been this way from the beginning. So where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Wouldn't it be amazing that the more bent people got, the more grace-filled your heart was? The more your tears were sincere and the more you wept for their sake and not because you were hurting or suffering? Wouldn't that be clean and powerful? I bet heaven would hear those tears. I've always kind of laughed and, and joked, but it's not a joke. I say, look, I'm the wrong. I'll say it because sometimes it's, it's, you got a lot of people that have a lot of motives out there in life and it's not yours to figure all that out. It's yours to be like him. So I would always laugh and I've said this for years. I say, man, I'm the wrong guy to do wrong. Like, and then people are like, <laughs> you know, because it sounds like you're just saying, don't, don't do, do me wrong. But I laugh. I say, I'm the wrong guy to do wrong if you don't want change. Because I'm not going to get hurt by you. I'm going to hurt for you. I'm not going to go in a bedroom and pray because you're such a bad guy and you did me wrong. I'm going to go in a bedroom and pray because if you knew who you were, you'd never live that way. You follow me? And my heart's going to hurt for you, not hurt because of you. I'm going to cry for you, not cry for me. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself for a moment. I'm going to feel sorry for you because if you really knew who you were, you would never be living that way. That should hurt my heart for you, not disappoint me. Come on. Make sense? Isn't that how God is? Don't we have plenty of scripture to say that's how he is? Wow. And some people, and I don't know that there's any in this room, but some people snap. They, they jump the gun and say, well, yeah, but it's not all love, brother. God's a judger and he's got judgment. And they try to pull that argument. But I've never found a scripture that said the judgment of God or the wrath of God or the reprimand of God leads man to change. Not one scripture. So if you find one, fill me in. But I've checked the book over pretty good. It's misguided, misunderstanding people that are trying to hold on to a theology they grew up with. And it sounds right to them because they, were, they heard it their whole life. Well, it's not just about love, it's about judgment too. And then they quote all the judgment scriptures. Most of them from the Old Covenant, Old Testament. I know one thing, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to change. That's why it's all about his goodness and his mercy and his forgiveness. Because the goal is not for you to say, I'm sorry, get forgiven and go to heaven. The goal is change. Yeah. What do we accomplish if we all agree with the gospel we preach and we all say yes and believe he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and then we get our names written in a book called Life and we all go to heaven someday, yay. 
How's that affect the big picture? How's that affect evangelism? How's that impress the world? How's that let your light so shine before men? If it's always just about what you receive from him instead of become because of him, how's it changing the world? Because then we're still preaching a gospel that serves me and it's still all about me getting something instead of becoming something. If, if you were preaching a gospel that just gives a man something all the time, of course people will say yes to it. I honestly believe it's why we've seen so much pain right in the house of God. So much hurt and frustration and struggle. We've heard so many hard messages that sometimes the church looks just like the world. Sometimes worse because we think we have more rights. Because <laughs> now we're Christians and got God back in us. And I've heard that stuff too before. <laughs> Throw all that away, okay? You don't have more rights. You denied yourself. So you don't have any rights, except for one, to be like him. So when you give your life, you get his life. <laughs> when you deny your ways, you must be taking on his. When you die to you, you must be living to him. That's how you preach the gospel, amen? The gospel's all about change. Not you biting your lip, you believing a truth. That on my darkest day, love never lost sight of my potential purpose and destiny. My sin could never change his mind. His love overpowered my sin. And when I was on that road called sin, he said, I know who you are, boy. I've known you from the beginning. There's a time to be born. I'm the author and giver of life. You're my will, and I'm tracking you down. And my sin couldn't change his mind. So you can't tell me he was disappointed, right? <laughs> Yay. So this is, this is how simple I want to be tonight. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about simple motives, reason for being, single eye. The eye is the lamp of your body. So we should spend a ton of time talking about this stuff. I know we want to learn Bible stories and types and shadows, and sometimes the stuff we teach is, is good, but sometimes it's just as entertaining because we have this desire for knowledge, right, in the sense of just knowing about factual knowledge. But if, if a single eye keeps your body flooded with light and the eye is the lamp of your body and you're called the walk in the light, we should talk about this stuff a ton. <laughs> like we should probably really talk about what it means to have a single eye. Like single is, isn't plural. Like single isn't multiple choice. Single isn't wide view lens. Single isn't multi-angled. Just single, narrow, confined is the way. Broad is the way to destruction. I bet it's the same for the lamp. I bet broad is the way to destruction. I bet multiple choice. 
Well, yeah, but you know, sometimes, brother, well, yeah, but I just feel, well, they should have never done that in the first place. Well, hey, you shouldn't be talking to me. They started it. Single. The eye is the lamp of your body. And I promise you, he's not talking about a pupil and a cornea and an optic nerve. He's talking about a motive, a belief, a reason for being, and a why behind your life. He's talking about where you're living from and what you're living for. The eye, the way you see and discern life and the way you let it motivate you determines the light that's in you. Come on. Man, we ought to talk a lot about this stuff. Because it seems like everyday life is always threatening our lives, well-being, stability, comfort, peace. And if you're not careful, you get in this rat race. It's like you're always pushing to find another prayer to make things work better and to get God to move for you. And next thing you know, it's just about protection, provision, breakthrough. But you don't realize the self-centered trap there where you're just trying to get God to move on your behalf so life is smoother. You guys okay? Okay, I'm smiling the whole time. I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I'm not even being mean at all. Like, so this isn't harsh, right? This isn't harsh. It's a sharp sword. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be sharp. I... I can do surgery and smile. <laughs> when you've done lots of surgeries, <laughs> you just get comfortable with surgery. <laughs> you don't even need as much anesthesia sometimes. You just, you just we'll be okay. <laughs> So the greatest, most amazing point of Christianity is getting renewed in the spirit of your mind. Not thinking for yourself, but thinking for the kingdom. Seek ye, not second. Watch, not, I know it sounds like I'm treating you like children, but I'm not. I'm being simple. Not second, seek ye, not second. It doesn't say seek ye first your well-being. Seek ye first a better circumstantial day. Seek ye first the change of the attitude of your boss. Seek ye first the well-being and the discipline of your children. Seek ye first the actions changing in your spouse. It's not wrong to believe for any of those things. But you seek ye first the kingdom of God and you have to make sure that you understand that when you do that, the evidence of that is that all your responses are dictated by the kingdom, not the happenings of life around you. Are you with me? Seek ye first the... So you want to think like the kingdom thinks, see like the kingdom sees and respond like the kingdom responds. In every situation in life. Amen? Hey, guys. Make sense? So the I, 
I've said this for years, and, and, and it just makes sense to my heart. I think you'll get it. It's just simple. If God, if the Lord God Almighty, through His Word, through His truth, can change your and my perspective, He's already changing our lives. Because what you see, you become. If you can't see it, you're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And in all you're getting, get under, walk in the light as He's in the light, right? Yeah? And then you hear grown up, what you don't know won't hurt you. You hear phrases like that? That's a straight up lie. What you don't know won't hurt you. What you don't know is destroying you. I've seen good people get destroyed by a lack of knowledge. I've seen hearts that were far from evil get crushed by wrong perception. Internalizing something, taking something just a little personal. Just a little personal. Dwelling on it long enough to get yourself to actually finally say, I just can't believe they did that. I, they had to know better. As if any of that matters. Your response matters more than that. Who you are in Jesus matters way more than whether they did it intentional or not or shouldn't have. See, this is the stuff we do. And then we have just, we have, we have all this upbringing and then we run it through, rationalize, reason, and, and here's what happens. We don't realize this is what happens. And all of a sudden your eye's not single anymore. If you think about it more or talk to two other people, next thing you know, it's here. I've had these counseling appointments with people and I realized what happened to them. Even people that I know at one point were like this. And all of a sudden they're sitting with me talking and they're like this. And the more they talk, they're like this. And they even know what you stand for, what you preach and what you believe. So, so now they're trying to compel you into this. <laughs> but you can't tell me, Pastor, that sometimes, and that this, well, what are you saying? You just never hurt? And then they get frustrated and compare you to them and try to find a way to be okay when they're not okay. <laughs> Did you get that? In other words, some, they're trying to find some way to qualify where they're at when where they're at is just bleh, and it ain't helping them and they don't want to be there, but they're trying to stay there without saying it and realizing it. It's not their goal, but they're going to stay there. Are you following me? Like the last thing I need is a couple different reasons in my life to not be like him. That's all I'm saying. That would have been a lot easier to just put it that way. <laughs> no, I use these little examples a lot. I think it's the Lord. I really do. I'm hoping after all these years it actually is the Lord. And <laughs> I'm thinking the Lord gives me these examples because they're relatable to us because we've all been tricked into doing it. And it's usually based on how I feel, what they did, facts. Yeah? So there has to be a way to grow into him in all things so that my response is his response because he's in me. Don't ever forget that. Christ in you. Hope of glory. You're not the hope of glory. It's the Christ in you. Till Christ moved in you, there's no hope of glory. <laughs> Vanity, popularity, Prestige at best, reputation. They're all the things Jesus laid down and made, made himself of none. <laughs> They're the things we've pursued. He made himself of no reputation. We've sought reputation our whole lives. We want to be noticed. We want to be acknowledged. 
We just want to feel good about how people feel about us. That's all called reputation. (laughs) He made himself of none. Have the same mind that was in him. (laughs) Who even though he knew he was equal with God, didn't consider it something to be acknowledged for and honored for, but instead made himself of Come on, the need for reputation is the culprit behind so many insecurities, crushed identities, sometimes even suicides and all kinds of crazy stuff. While I'm on this topic, I might be talking to someone not just, I'm not always, just because you say something as a preacher doesn't mean you're talking to the room. Sometimes you're just safeguarding, protecting but I might be talking to someone on this one. Seeking a reputation comes so natural to men because you feel like if you get people to say what you don't believe about yourself, you can try to start believing it, but it's the same as an addiction. You live in insecurity. You always try to get people to say the right thing because you don't believe that thing. Are you following me? And it's all, it's all wrapped in the lie of making. It's a reputation. You're, you're, you're trying to establish a value for yourself through others and their opinions and their responses to your life. There is only one true way to find yourself and your value. It's, and it's not, I'm not saying this because I have to because I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher because I believe this. You only find you through him. Period. And what he did. Period. Anything else, a rat race. You're always, you're always at the mercy of you're always at the mercy of a rat. <laughs> I, I was preaching one time. I said, come on, it's nothing but a rat race. Even if you feel like you're winning, even if you've reached the top, you're still a rat. <laughs> That's what that reminded me of. Still a rat. No, you got to understand that it's where all the insecurities, it's all these things that come from in our lives because we're never, we're never sure. How could there be insecurity? How could there be insecurity if you're sure of your identity? If you're sure of your value through the Son of God. Watch. Here's why that's the only place your value can come from. It's the only thing that's left unchanging. Men can change their opinion about you. You could be tight with somebody for two years and all of a sudden they're distant and you say what's wrong, but you don't realize you've been feeding your identity off of your relationship with them. And then they say, well, I just feel a little different about you. What do you mean? And your whole world falls apart. Why? Because they were your lifeline. They were your link to okay. And this isn't just psychological. This is hinged on truth versus lies. This is living in truth or deception. And all of a sudden you realize that you were letting something that was in him decide your consistency and decide 
if you were okay or not, your, your esteem. Relationships are notorious for that because weakness bumps into weakness. If there's weakness, there's need. Mm. Ah, okay, yeah, thanks. Many people that come together in relationship are needs driven in the initial point of the relationship. They have a need. They're attracted to somebody because of what somebody can offer or bring to their life. It's usually not how they can lay their life down to better and empower someone. It's usually what I'm getting from you. How you make me feel. What you make me see. Yeah, that's why relationships have caused so much pain. Because it's usually needs driven. It's I need you, not I love you. We say I love you, but it's really I need you. It's proven in the way it's fleshed out, the relationship. It was never intended that way. It's out of the fullness and strength of God in your life to come together to become one because only then do you have something to lay down and offer. You with me? Man, now that feels quiet in the room. Yeah, that was a strange quiet. I was like, whoa. Everything I've said up until now, I could just feel it go. You guys are like, yeah, praise God. Yeah, and then all of a sudden that one just hung. Just hung there. I could feel it just hanging. So many people in, in the body of Christ need a significant other in their life. Need a significant other to feel significant. To feel wanted. To feel loved. It's a grave deception. Nobody on the planet has the job description from the Lord at birth to meet your need and fulfill your need. Everybody on the earth has the same job description to be like him. Made for his image. Nobody's on the planet to scratch somebody else's itch. You said that? Kinda. Why do we reduce others to that? Because we stay needy because we haven't found ourselves truly through him. Yeah. Come on. So Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him first, first, not second, first, deny. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's smart. He's got this all figured out from the beginning. Like he really knows what he's talking about. (laughs) If anybody comes after me, let him first. Why? Biggest problem on the planet is you living for you when you weren't made for you. You're made for his image. You're made for his glory. You're made to love. You weren't made for you. Deny you. Get rid of you. You're the biggest problem. (laughs) Like really, it's really a bummer. People say, oh, life's a grind. Life's a this. Life's a bleep. Life's a blank. It's only that way because you're living it outside of why you're here. The only way life is a grind is because you're living it outside of the grace of why you're here. So there's no grace on your life. 
Why would God put gas in your tank to drive down a road he didn't call you to or make for you? So people struggle. People struggle and, and, and refuse, and they just, it's almost like they think their calling is unbelief. Well, I, like, well, I'm going to make it anyway. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, I don't know. Miserable the whole time. You can't tell me you were never sincerely mad at somebody and were in a blessed place. You can't tell me that you were sincerely frustrated and in a blessed place. You can't tell me that on the day you were stuck in rightness and he said, she said, and well, they shouldn't have, well, they started it, that you were producing life and excited about the day. Miserable. Why? Outside of why you're here. And then we get this idea that peacemaking and all that is pushover, wimpy, weakness. <laughs> it takes a real man of God to be a peacemaker. He's the prince of peace. I don't think peace is wimpy. He is one bad, bad, bad man. He is so bad that people treated him more unjust than anyone ever has been treated, and he didn't even flinch. Went on and gave his life for those same people so they could live. I'd say that's integrity. I'd say that's a good hero right there. Now that's a hero for you, Kurt. <laughs> yeah? Come on. Never did anything even with a slant to it. Perfectly, completely pure. Completely perfect. Everything he's ever done. Motivated, completely clean, squeaky clean, pure as pure. And didn't get treated for that. Got treated for a lot of other things as if he was bad and wrong and evil and hypocrite and blasphemer and demonic. And he never flinched. I don't know about you, but there's something about that that is just, wow, makes you want to cry. I mean, I preach it and you got to hold back just not getting emotional and playing that card on you because that's, that's why we love him. You look at him and realize he didn't let life change him. <laughs> he is life. Amen. And he's changing men. He didn't let things change him. And he couldn't change his mind. Why? Love never fails. He kept saying, nobody takes my life. I freely lay it down. Nobody takes... I, he said that a bunch to his disciples. Why? Just proclaiming who he is and why he's here. Ain't nothing going to move me but who he is. He couldn't change him like a sheep. To the slaughter lamb without a word. And they were so wrong. And he was so right. That's sometimes when you can't keep quiet. <laughs> when they're so wrong and you're so right and you can't keep quiet, that's when you better keep quiet. Because the only reason you're not keeping quiet is because you're so right and they're so wrong. It has nothing to do with love. Has to do with justification. 
has to do with saving face. But if you know who you are, you don't have to save face. It's already saved. See, I think the Lord would be pleased to keep teaching us what it means to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Come on, you'd never have to compromise and save face if you already knew who you were. If you knew 10 people were believing something wrong, of course you want to do your best, but sometimes your hands are tied because it looks like you're defending yourself. That's why he didn't even speak to Pilate. He already saw where their hearts were seated. It wouldn't have done any good to say any more. They were already bent on what they were doing. Only true identity and security can stay quiet in that moment. Because the reason men speak is to save face. The reason men speak is because they can't bear others thinking that about them. But when you know the truth about the motive in the heart, and he, trump, he simply, I'm going to show this to you. Are, you. are we okay? Are you guys good? Okay. First Peter. Let's look at it real quick. This will be helpful. This will be healthy and good. It's just getting, Christianity is this simple. I believe it's so simple. Some people get frustrated when you say that, but it is. It's this simple. It's, it's getting into the word, looking at Jesus' life and his words, and realizing, whoa, I wasn't trained thinking, feeling, and living this way. I'm going to get born again and let him teach me, right? And get refathered and retrained and reschooled. Guess what Jesus said? He said, if you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you what? Right. So he says, everyone who's weary and heavy laden, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, take of me. Right. And he says, learn of me. Ain't that something? When you're selfless, you're in rest. When you're self-centered, you're carrying every care that goes along with thinking for yourself. We weren't made to live this way. That's why people are bearing so much weight. That's why perfect love, we always think getting loved by God perfectly is what makes fear go away. Perfect love, when you love perfectly, fear has no place. Hello? Come on, we're always thinking what we're getting from him. Perfect love, cast out all fear, and we're trying to get into some deeper, mysterious place of God's love. So we keep coming up for all the baptisms of love, wondering why we're still afraid. Perfect love. Love perfectly, guys. Become love, because perfect love casts out all fear, because it's never again about you. You take no count of a wrong suffering. You're not dreading and fearing and, oh, my, I wonder if this, and I can't believe that. Oh, God, please. Here's, here's why it's so perverted. You're called to what? What did he tell Adam in the garden before sin? I'll give you dominion over everything. That's a total place of authority. Would you agree? Jesus raises from the dead in Matthew 28. What's he say? All, not some, all. All what? All authority has been given to me. Some translations say all power over the power of the enemy, but the word is authority. 
It's authority over the power of the enemy. And then he looks at his disciples and says, now go in my name. What's he saying? I just gave it to you. Now watch, watch. You have no authority over what you fear. You have zero authority over what you fear. Because if you fear it, you can't have authority over it. See why you're supposed to love not your own life unto death? So you have authority over your own life. So your motives are pure when you pray and heaven hears and comes like a freight train into the situation. That's why you don't seek your own. That's why you lay down your life. You can't be a Christian for you. It never works. It's never been Christianity. It's preached that way. It's all about what I get from him, taking care of me and happily ever after and whatever we preach. Some of us spend countless hours just trying to get our faith and our scriptures in line just to set the table for a better day. It's never been about that. It's about come hell or high water, you looking like him. Whether people treat you right or wrong, you don't change. Whether you're laid off or you got a steady job, you shine and you're productive and you're full of life. Yeah? Come on. Don't you get tricked into some gospel that helps you to make it. <laughs> make it to the end. Survival gospel. Survival kit. Perfect love casts out. You haven't been given a spirit of fear. Spirit of... Hear the progression? You see why your mind's sound? Because you've been given everything that he is. Right? And it's all fueled by love. And that makes your mind really, really sound. Yay. You say you don't look too sound right now, brother. <laughs> I'm very sound right now. I mean, what's joy unspeakable look like? Probably me times worse. <laughs> Are you even allowed to have this much fun? <laughs> Unspeakable joy. Good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of. That means the message that we believe produces great joy. Not circumstances, not blessings, not provision, not full vats and barns. Not won or lost battles. What produces great joy is understanding the good news that came through his son. 
So there's a truth I need to see, and the automatic response to the truth is great joy. Yay! Without one circumstance changing, just seeing the truth, single eye, full of light, lamp of the body. Are you with me? Now, I've pastored for a little while, not eternity, just a little while. Countless people letting their life, disposition, emotions, and expression be decided by the facts of their life and the people in their life. More than I could count. Which tells me this message really needs shouted from the rooftop. So that those that will hear will become. Do you stop preaching it because people won't become or won't hear? Now this word will be shouting. God will be his word. Heaven and earth going to pass away. Word remains. And we're going to find in that day, totally unchanged word, same word. Same word you had every day you woke up, every day you wake up, every day you got this word, every day you just got to decide, am I a believer? Am I going to believe my feelings, impressions, moods, emotions, the dream I had last night, or what so-and-so said yesterday? Am I going to believe why I'm here and why I woke up and why he's in me? See, I'm just talking Christianity. It's all I'm talking is Christianity. It's not something new. It's always been here. This isn't even radical and extreme. It's what he paid for. It's just Christianity. And the only thing that qualifies you for living it is believing it. Because <laughs> the way you respond to this, this truth we're preaching determines what you believe. You either believe your emotions, your circumstances, other people's voices, happenings, or you believe this word. So you grow into this thing. You put it on every day. You wake up and say, thank you. Not here we go again. You're not trying to get through. You're not trying to make it. You're not trying to survive. And you're not holding on. How you doing, brother? Hanging in there. Stop saying that. Dead giveaway. It's a dead giveaway that the only understanding we have of the gospel is he's here to get me through the day and I'm hanging in there. And if things get a little worse, it might be by the sandal strap and almost fallen, but I'm going to hold on, brother. Pray for me if you get a chance. Ah! No, I'd like to realign you and get a new thing in you. (laughs) Yeah? So then they hand me a mic so I can get it done better. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I just know one thing. I'm not comparing me to you. Don't you hear it that way, please. I'm just speaking from my own heart right now, my own life. It's not always wise to do that, but I've been saved in June 23 years. I'm either a good actor or I'm really, really a happy guy. I'm either the most deceived man you ever met or I'm free. I'm putting my chips on free. We'll find out someday when we all stand before him. But I got all my chips on the free space. Here's here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm as excited as I've ever been about what I'm telling you. And it ain't because life has gone so well circumstantially all the time. In fact, there's always challenges, huh? In the sense of circumstantial. But wouldn't it be amazing if it gets to the place where they aren't even seen as challenges? 
Wonder if you just have an automatic response. Wonder if you just respond in life. Just respond. Wonder if things become a given and you don't even have options. Wonder if people around you are actually going crazy in this sense and you're not tempted to go crazy. Wouldn't that be good? It is a good feeling. Wonder if somebody really, really circumstantially does you wrong. I mean, I mean, talk show worthy. Done you wrong. And you don't know how to not be okay. Wouldn't that be awesome? Why? Because of good tidings of great joy. Jesus said, call no man on earth your teacher. You have one. And he's the Christ. So if I didn't learn what I believe I've learned from him, then I haven't learned at all. Yeah? So if I can't see it in his life, why would I want it in mine? Who cares if two people I call friends agree with me and console me if what we're doing isn't producing life? Please don't ever get reduced to the highest grace you can receive in your life that it seems like at least somebody cares. That's a very low place to live. Just getting someone to care, sympathize. We call it compassion, but it's not. It's empowerment to stay the same. It's human empathy. It's just, I'm sorry for you and you'll be more apt to feel sorry for you too. Could you imagine Jesus feeling sorry for himself? How how easy that could have been in, in the knowledge we grew up with and how unfortunate that would have been in the big picture? Could you picture Jesus just sitting out on a rock all by himself, his disciples sleeping, and, and he can't sleep, not because he's praying, because he's overwhelmed because nobody appreciates him. Because he really means well, and they're not calling his well well, they're calling it evil, and he's just so shook up he can't go to sleep, and he's just sitting on a rock weeping because nobody loves him. <laughs> Could you picture that? Then don't picture that with you. Because you're made for his image and as he is, so are we in this world. And as the Father sent me, so I send you. And as he is, so are we in this world. You get it? It's good tidings of so if there's not great joy in your heart, you just got to keep looking at the good tidings till you see it clear because you start realizing no matter where I've been, what I've done, he hasn't changed. He loves me and has purpose for my life. My life could never be an accident and he's the author and giver of life. I'm here because he said so and I'm still here because he said so. And I'm not just here. I'm here with purpose, destiny. Man, my whole future's in front of me. I have peace with God and a place with God. Wow. You get it? No matter how much I've failed and no matter how much I've looked at others wrong over the years and no matter how much, whatever that means in your life and you go, he has never looked at me wrong and he wants that to be the highest point of my life to make me more like him so that I start looking through his eye and live from his heart and all of a sudden my life has changed. Man, I am not here to survive. I am here to become. You get it? This is what I mean. By the gospel. Did I turn you to First Peter? Some of you actually went, didn't you? 
to 1 Peter. Sorry, I wasn't trying to mislead you. Just want to make sure to give everybody time to get there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if you don't even know where it's at, there's a lot of 60-some books there to look at until you find it and then get to that page. Is that New Testament or Old Testament? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It would be really good to get familiar with the Word of God and put it in your heart. Amen? Who actually believes the Word of God is truth? Really, honestly. Now, that's not just a Christian answer. You honestly believe the Word of God is truth. So if you believe the Word of God is truth, this isn't a slam, a challenge, and you didn't, I didn't set you up. Watch. Then wouldn't it make sense to fill our heart with the truth so we can discern every lie and live by truth? Like, how can you recognize a lie if you haven't filled your heart with truth? Because if the way that seems right to a man just always seems right, there has to be a turning point where the way that seemeth right no longer seems right. Yeah? I just don't want to live that way. I found in my Bible it never produces anything good. The way that seemeth right. Trouble is, your friends that don't know the word really good either, that are caught in a little bit of rightness, the people you're drawing encouragement from or tell your problem to, if they talk in the way that seemeth right, next thing you know, you got three people all agreeing how wrong that was and I can't believe they did that. Well, yeah, but they're in leadership and they should know better. That makes it worse. And Next thing you know, you got all that going on. It's all the way that seemeth right to man because what it's producing isn't good. You get it? Good stuff. I was in a sermon service one day and I had a guy come up to me crying and he said, man, God just, 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 just changed me today. I said, good. He said, no, I mean, really, really changed me. I got on an example of a spouse leaving a spouse and I said, you know, say your wife takes off with a fella. I said, obviously that's unfortunate and has a sting to it, a feel to it, a wow to it. But I said, man, you can't even let something like that even actually cause you to believe you have to slow down, get stereotyped, or never be the same. Like you can't let the sin of one person, no matter how unfortunate it is or how close they are to your life, stop you from destiny. You just can't. Because let me ask you this. When a spouse does that, is is the spouse that's here, the spouse does that, the spouse that's here, are they any less anointed? Are they any less called? Do they have any less destiny in front of them? Then why do we look at this rational, get heartbroken, get just devastated, and, and sometimes never recover? I used it as an example, and then I said this. I said, and then to top it off, she didn't just run away with a man. She ran away with a pastor. So because she ran off with the pastor, we make it like it's 10 times more a bad situation when it's, always, it's all the same. It's like you got a loved one that passes. You're never ready for a loved one to pass. But if they pass two days before Christmas, you think that's 10 times worse than if they passed away four months before. But the truth is it's all the same. It's what we make it. So I talked about running off with the pastor versus running off with just a man. Listen, it's all the same sin. It's not going to be extra triple sin. It's not going to be with the pastor. No, there's obviously something wrong with the pastor too, Right? There's something going on here. You can wear a badge, a title, but your life reveals your life. Hello? So we just, we make something of that. So in our minds, we go, she ran off with who? As if it wasn't already. 
And could you see him talking about it? Then they said, with the pastor. <laughs> and I just talked about all this, but this guy came up to me after service, and I was using it as an example. I didn't even know what I was doing. Most of the time, I have no clue to what I'm doing. I'm actually hoping I'm making sense. Sometimes I sound like I'm rambling to me. I'm like, God, are we even saying anything? And when I feel like that, usually people are like, whoa, that was so powerful. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> this guy came up to me and he said, the analogy used is my exact story. I've been feeling bad for myself, sorry for myself for the last eight years or whatever he told me. And he said, the whole right to feeling sorry for myself is because she didn't just run off with the man, she ran off with the pastor. And she let the title of the man's position and job make it a 10 times worse scenario. And he felt sorry for himself because here's this man, she ran off with the pastor and she made it that much of a bigger thing. And he was just stereotyped by it, hurt by it, devastated. And he said, eight years of his life, I think it was eight, don't quote me on that, just skated on by feeling sorry for himself because she didn't just run off with the man, she ran off with the pastor and he made it as if it was 10 times worse. And I used that as the exact, now do you think Jesus was trying to reach that man? And he wept and held me and we hugged and we prayed and he said, I can't even tell you how, it's a, what a duh moment this is. Like, duh, like all these years I got destiny in front of me, man. I can't be letting the unfortunate act of my former wife in those days, my wife, I can't let, because they took off and he didn't, yeah, they just took off. And he's, he said, I'm letting that decide me every day, feeling sorry for myself, and that's been my story. Ain't that something? See why you got to have a single eye? And seek ye first the... So what's that look like when that scenario unfolds in his life and he's seeking first the kingdom? I'm not expecting him to do cartwheels and celebrate. Yoo-hoo, my wife ran off with the pastor and it ain't no big deal. Who cares? <laughs> I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about let, not letting it set you back, paralyze you, change you, manipulate you, shape you. Why? Because of the scripture. Man, I just realized, man, the Lord's good. I just realized how he's just setting this scripture up. I just, I'm like... I got to read the scripture. See, that was one of the moments. I was just sitting there thinking, why am I telling that story now? Because of the scripture. See, it's why he doesn't let me know what I'm doing. Because when I figure it out, I get so excited. I can't even do it. I'm like, usually I go, when you go, I go. So it's easier. But I already got the ding, 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 ding. Oh, I can't even read it. I'm like, God, this is so good. Who's ever heard people say, well, I just want to know my calling. I wish I knew my calling. And sometimes we do these things to try to find our calling. I'm going to show you your calling in the scripture. It even says you were called in the scripture. Ah, verse 19, 1 Peter chapter 2. Are you ready? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Okay, watch. For what credit is it if 
when you are beaten for your faults, when you pay a price for something you've done wrong and there's consequences and it costs you something for doing something, right? So say, say you were just cruising, man. You were on the highway. You were out here on Route 70 and you said, man, I ain't seen a cop pull nobody. I know policemen pull off nobody in that stretch. I'm running late. I don't care if it's 55. Whoa. And also, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and you go, man. And you look down and you saw, I'm going 78. Policeman comes up. Do you know you were going 78 mile an hour? Yes, sir. You know it's 55. Honestly, I do. I just thought I haven't seen a policeman here for, and I was running late. I just aired it out, man. My little car was wondering what I was doing. I'm going to have to write you up. Yes, sir. What credit is it if when that happens, you take it patiently and handle it? It says you ought to, because you were in the wrong. Right? Not, not, watch, not. I can't believe you pulled me over, man. There was like three people in front of me, and they were all going faster than me. They just passed me a quarter mile back. I said, wait a minute, whoa, Sir? I don't even think that's the issue here. I don't know that I clocked any of them. The point is, how fast were you going? Well, I was going 78. What's the speed limit? 50. Yeah, but they were all going faster than me. Hello? The Bible said it. But if you take it patiently and you knew you were doing it, it says, hey, you ought to. We ought to all live this way. Man, if you get snared in something and you did something, Take ownership. Wow, sorry, be sincere. Let's walk it out, right? Now, here's where this thing gets fun. Watch. So somebody was just beaten for their faults and took it patiently. Watch. But when you do good, when you do good and you suffer for doing good, when somebody says your good was bad, when somebody judges your intentions, when they were so good. When somebody turns what was good into bad. When somebody says you meant what you didn't mean and you actually meant well. Anybody ever have anything like that ever happen to them? Anybody ever do that to somebody else? Imposing, presumptuous? Well, you were just trying to hurt me and you found out later they weren't at all or believed the rest of your life that they were trying to hurt you. Regardless, one day we'll find out, right? What he's saying is that shouldn't be the point. That shouldn't be what matters. Watch. But when you do good and you suffer, if you take it patiently, whew, this is commendable before God. Ain't this something? They just popped it right up there. You can follow right along up there. Look at this. Commendable before God. Look at verse 21. I told you your calling's gonna be here. For to this you were... Oh, look at that. What's your calling? To suffer for doing good and never let it change you? For being so secure in Christ and letting your love be love and letting pure be pure because to the pure all things are pure and the pure in heart shall see God? For to this you were what? Why were you called to this? 
Because you're not singing to Jesus and you're not praying to him when you're overwhelmed. You're following him. Yeah? (laughs) Come on. His life in you. You're called to this. Why? Because Christ also suffered this way. He always did good. Like he never not did good. And never got treated good for good. In fact, he got treated really bad for really good. So who are we going to look to? You be honest with me. I know this for, for a fact in my life. There was times growing up where I meant well and somebody called my well wrong or bad or evil and I freaked out because it was good and they were saying it wasn't and it so imposed on me, it so threatened me. You know what I'm saying? When you meant well and somebody called your well not well, that's when I reacted the most. Bible said you're supposed to suffer and take it patiently. <laughs> Why? Because it's all before the Lord. He knows the truth. Right? You're going to see this. Christ suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now look up there at that. Do you see that colon dot dot? That's a colon. That's cutting off in the English language. That means the next things he writes are the steps as if there's a one, two, three. You follow me? That's why that's there. Okay. Look at number 20. Look at verse 22. Here's the first number one. Look at the first step we should follow who committed no Whoa, you say, brother, that right there. Now, see, that's why I have trouble with your preaching because nobody's perfect and we all sin and we're always going to mess up and ain't nobody perfect. He's not talking about perfection here. What he's saying is when his good was called evil, he didn't commit sin. In other words, he didn't let sin against him give the right to produce sin in him. Why? Because you never repay evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. So if your good gets called evil and you respond evil, you just got manipulated into what you were accused of. And you took on the identity of your accusation. Are you guys with me? What's the first step on the list? Committed. He never let the sin against him give the right to produce sin in him. Why? you overcome evil with good it's the first step watch the second one nor was deceit found in his you never saw him bashing nobody putting nobody down right no deceit found in his mouth let's look at the next one when he was reviled he didn't revile in return When he suffered, he didn't cast threats. Look what he did. How can you possibly live that way? It's called faith, right? Here's the essence of faith. It's coming from Jesus. We've got to learn from him. He's the author and the finisher of our... He simply... Here's how Jesus did it. How are we going to do it? We're going to follow him. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Do you know what, can I paraphrase what that says? He committed himself to him who knows the truth. 
So when you have a relationship with him and you're finding your identity through him, even when people don't see what you see, that won't change you because you're secure in him. You'll stay secure in their eyes and ultimately they can begin to change. Why? Because now you're following Jesus and you won't let men decide who you are. That's when who you are starts deciding men. <laughs> That's so good. That's really good, Lord. <laughs> Watch this. Who himself, verse 24, he, this is Jesus that said to follow him who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we having died to, see what we did? He bore our sins in, so that there's a response from us now. So here's what we teach, so we can all be forgiven. We preach that he did that so we can all be forgiven. He did that so we can all die to sin, so we can realize, hey, he became what we were so we can become what he is. This is a great exchange, his life for my life my life for his. Yeah? And all of a sudden there's a covenant. There's a covenant that's cut. All that is mine is yours, Jesus says. And I say, all that is mine is yours. You get it? Oh my goodness. For, for he himself bore our sins. That there's a reason so that we, having died to sins, watch, might live for righteousness. Okay? It doesn't say in righteousness, it says for righteousness. There's two uses of righteousness in the New Testament. They're both the word righteousness, but watch. This one is a work of righteousness. It's any expression of the nature and, 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 the, and the demeanor, the fruit of who God is. Any expression of God's character and who God is. His nature is a work of righteousness. The other use of righteousness is the ability through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus to stand right in the sight of God. Okay? So we're trees of righteousness. Whose idea is it? The planning of the... So who wanted you right in his sight? So he paid the price to make you right. Oh, this is amazing! Each tree after its own, it's seed. It's the first law, seed time and harvest time. So why did he make you a tree of righteousness? So you bear the fruit of righteousness, which is the nature of God. Therefore, restoring you back to his image, which is why men are here in the first place. What do we turn the gospel into? Forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. What's he always seen the gospel as? Restoration back to righteousness so you can bear the fruit of who he is because that's why men are on the earth, to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's so powerful. It's all right here. Live for righteousness by whose stripes you were. That means his sacrifice and what he did on that cross, bearing our sin, the law of sin and death, he destroyed, right? Because of the law of the spirit of life through Christ. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Why? God cursed sin in the flesh, right? So by his stripes, you were healed. What he's saying is his work is our redemption. Redemption means brought back, bought back, to original value. His sacrifice restored us to why we're here and who we were before sin. 
That's why you die to sin. That means it's mentality, it's memory, it's urges, it's actions, and it's stain. You die to it. I was not made to fulfill the pleasures of flesh. I was made to live by the Spirit and to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I was made to be a son. I was made to be found in His image. I was made to be one with Him. That's what this is saying right here. Man, you can find that one page laying somewhere out in the jungle and have just enough to go, yeah. Yeah? Guess what you were called to? You were called to suffer for doing good. Why? Because the Christian's always called to do good. Do good. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. You bunch of do-gooders. You do-gooders, man. That's what you're on the earth for, to do good. And not everybody sees it as good. But you don't let that change good. You were called to live in a perverse and twisted generation whom you've come out shining forth as a light holding forth the word of life. You come out of darkness into the light. You have exceedingly great and precious promises by which you partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's all around in the world, men seeking their own. It's First Peter, Second Peter 1. It's phenomenal. Making sense? Man, I think we've preached the gospel. Like this is why he came, guys. Let's not turn it into anything else because it isn't anything else. You follow what I'm saying? That's not harsh. Come on. Let's not minimize it. Let's not just pray a prayer to go to heaven. Let's get heaven back into us. And let's get his way to become our way instead of quoting the Old Testament saying, you know, his ways are not our ways. Well, he said, I don't no longer call you a servant. I call you a friend because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to be transformed and renewed in your mind so you can prove his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Let's not throw it around like a hot potato. You good? Let's pray something, can we? Wow. It's already five after nine. I preached a long time. Felt quick to me. I just... I felt done. I kind of felt like you guys were done because I said enough. Not because you're done. I just said enough. (laughs) I'm never done. I just stopped. Seriously, I am never done. I'm never done. I just stop. We'll pick up tomorrow. (laughs) Stop. Pick up. I never land. (laughs) I don't even know how. You know, you wear these little things. You think the control tower would communicate. Bring it in, Brother Dan. (laughs) Show me the runway, a nice, smooth wrap-up landing. Wow. I have no clue how to do that. I've never heard the control tower say, bring it in. So I just stop because of time. (laughs) Can we pray something? When I'm praying this, here's what I'd like you to do. Because I'm just going to pray grace on what we preached. I want you before the Lord for your own conscience sake. He already knows your heart, right? Does he know if you're a yes or a no in what I'm preaching? For your own conscious sake, as a stepping stone of faith, as a contact point of faith. If your yes is a yes, acknowledge it when I'm praying. Acknowledge it and say, you know what, God? I want to wake up like this. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to keep me fine-tuned in these truths. To never let something matter more than what matters most. Keep me in this freedom, Lord. 
because I always want to produce life because there's life produced in me. You get what I'm saying? So if you're a yes, you pray your yes out to God when I'm praying, okay? I'm just going to pray from a speaker's point of view where my faith is for you as a whole, but you be personal, would you? Go ahead. Talk to him if your yes is a yes. And if it's a no, he already knows that, and you can probably just be quiet because there's not much to talk about if it's a no. We'll just trust that God turns your heart in this thing. So Father, I just thank you for the words that are shared. I just thank you for the way scripture, like they put it on the board, the, the sound guys, thank you. It's just everybody reading it at once. It's so clear, it's undeniable. So what are we gonna believe? So Father, I thank you for the grace to believe these things and the measure of faith to stir in every man's heart to rise up in these truths and begin to be bold and take a step that says, you know what? I'm going in this direction. And it's not some rah-rah thing. It's a humble thing. It's a before you thing, God. I'm, I don't want things to matter more than what matters most. And I don't want to let circumstances and situations decide who I am and how I'm doing. I just want to walk in what I saw you walk in through the Gospels. Man, I want to be in the position that I saw you in and not know how to think anything else but love. So Father, I ask that right now to come in every one of us a grace to teach us in the moment, to keep these words fresh and in front of us so that we would all walk out in a manner worthy of you, our callings and our destinies. Father, I pray a grace to constrain this congregation in the truth and not let us walk any other place. Lord, I'm asking for freshness of conviction, for wisdom and understanding in the blur of a moment. Father, when we're faced with things we didn't see coming, I ask these truths come to the rescue. And I pray this with all my heart. You said, whatever I ask, believe in, I can have it. And I I believe this. You know I believe this. And I believe when you wrote that, you meant times like these, corporate times, where just a synergistic grace could come upon us as a whole and, and you would just wrap around us and empower us all at once. I'm praying, Lord God, that we would all run well in this truth. I'm praying, Lord God, that even if any would struggle, it would be only for a moment. But this word would come to our rescue. That no one would just live blind after today. That no one would just get caught up in the heat of a moment and three weeks later go, what am I doing? Lord, I'm asking you to bring this message to our rescue in the moment. I believe you've inspired it. I believe you've preached it. I believe the words come from you. They're all through your scriptures. But we're asking you to do one thing bigger than just proclaiming it tonight. Bring it to our remembrance in every time of need. And let this word come to our rescue that everyone in this room begins to run well and run greater than we've ever run. I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name that this grace would remind us in every person's life. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Listen, when it, I know, you know, salvation and stuff, there's times, you know, you do altar calls and things. Tonight, listen, you just heard the gospel, like, you leave here and you go, wow. Look, you could be in a place, wow, that just empowered me to stay empowered, yay for the word, God. Or you could be going... 
Man, you know, I've been letting things sneak in and little foxes stealing the fruit. Wow, God, thanks for the reminder. I'm coming after you. Or you could be like, I wasn't on this page at all, man. I've been letting life decide me. You can leave here. You don't need an order call to be okay. It's a response from your heart. It's you going, you know, I'll tell you the greatest place you could do is just go get alone, go sit on a bed, go sit in a car, go take a walk, sit on a bench somewhere. Lord, man, I'm just giving myself to you the best I heard tonight and understand I'm yours. Have your way of me and start doing this. Amen? It would be amazing. Yeah? Okay. But I'm going to do something different than I normally do, but I'm going to do it because I want to and I feel like, like it's just a big thumbs up with the Lord and okay. Uh, I'm not going to take long. I'm going to do this a little different and stand up here and pray. Uh, sickness in the room. We want to pray for you. Just going to take a few moments. We're not going to do it long. Usually I teach and I get people paired up and we take testimonies. I'm just going to skip that tonight. I feel okay skipping that actually. I feel like I want to do it this way. Yeah, good. I just need to see your hands or stand to your feet if you can. And if you can't stand, let us know. But if you got something in your life and body, and please don't think this is a religious way that we always have to end our services. The Lord is doing so many things. He just is, man. And I'm not going to get into a highlight reel or run a bunch. I don't even share testimonies from the platform. I haven't for a long, long time. There's a main reason. I understand the power of the testimony. But when you're the speaker and you're sharing testimonies, people tend to think you're the answer and they got to get to you. And it's like, I don't even know how to get away from that because that's the way we've been geared in the body of Christ. No, I'm telling you, he's in us and he's here. Yeah? And, and he just does things. So sickness in the body, uh, wave your hand if you need healing or if something less than wholeness and let us know who you are so we can wrap our faith around that situation and we can believe believe. I'm not gonna put anybody in the spot tonight. I'm not gonna call anybody out or anything, but we're just gonna pray for you and believe God changes that situation for you. Who would that be? Who needs healing of any level, any kind? People looking around, if they're sitting there with their hand up and they're near you, say, hey man, let me just grab your hand. Grab somebody's hand. Look around. Keep your hand up until somebody grabs your hand. Grab their hand. We're going to pray together. I'm going to lead. I want you guys just to believe wholeness over their life. Okay? You don't have to pray long. I just want you to believe they be made whole. Be whole in Jesus' name would be a good, simple, heartfelt prayer. Amen? Anybody else? We got anybody else that needs prayer? Get your hand up. Wave it if we're missing you. Yeah? Yeah? Can you just grab his hand, man? Or yeah, that's good. Right there. Okay, here we go. Just pray for them right now with sincerity. It's real simple. Listen, your prayer doesn't heal anybody. It's his finished work that heals. Your prayer never has, never will heal anybody. It's your faith in what he accomplished that brings healing. So here's what we believe. The redemption of all men because by his stripes we were healed. So he's restoring things back to the way it was before sin was on the earth, right? Because his blood speaking better things. So out of simple faith right now, just say something like this. Be whole in Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you take sickness out of this room by taking sickness out of people's bodies, that everyone that raised and waved their hand and had faith to say, hey, me, pray for me. We're praying right now would be completely made whole. Father, that that situations would change, symptoms would leave, pain would go, bodies would begin to work and function. No more diseases, no more needs for certain things, God. That every person that raised their hand, that we would see change in that situation, Lord. That their body itself would tell them, hey, something's new, something's changed. Now, Father, we just pray that grace over this room and we thank you for it.
And we just appreciate who you are and what you do and what you've already done through your son. We believe your great love because Jesus was already crucified. Thank you for it. Amen? Amen. Now listen, if you were prayed for, you got one response. You leave here tonight. You get alone in your home. You get up, down, have a little time to really feel your body out. You got one response ever as a Christian. One. Father, thank you for loving me. Thanks for what you're doing in my life and my body. Thank you for making all things new. That's the one response believers have. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.